Welcome to One of Those Times in a Life, a musical journey through songs and stories. This week, Chapter 5, The Morning Ride. Love is but the song we sing, fade away we die. When I look at my life from this place, at its many twists and turns, I realize that Mike McCoy, instead of becoming one of the most important people in my life, professionally and personally, it's possible that he might simply have been someone I sang with in college, someone I get together with from time to time, talk with every once in a while about how in 1968, we were part of your All-American College show, which, if remembered at all, is remembered as the place where the Carpenters, known then as the Dick Carpenter Trio, first appeared on national television. When I started college in the fall of 1965, I joined a fraternity, Phi Gamma Delta, the one the Brothers Four came out of a few years earlier, and a gregarious classmate, John Buller, the first guy who knew everyone's name, came up and asked if he could sing with me. Sure, I said. We even chose a name, the Pendletons, because we thought we looked pretty cool in flannel Pendleton shirts, which were popular at the time. We had no idea that a few years earlier, a group from Hawthorne, California, likely using similar reasoning, called themselves the Pendletones and that Murray Wilson, the father of three of that band's members, insisted the record company change the name. So by the time his sons, Brian, Carl, and Dennis, found out about the change, the first record with their new name, The Beach Boys, had been printed and shipped. And the rest is, as you might say, musical history. Buller and I happily said yes when Mike McCoy asked if he could sing with us. McCoy epitomized a certain college cool, a kind that makes so much sense to another 18- or 19-year-old boy. He had a certain nonchalance. Things appeared to come naturally to him and easily for him, enough so that he was known as the Golden Boy. The fact that nobody knew if he liked the name or not made him even cooler he also had an unbelievable voice and a terrific sense of harmony. And maybe most important, he looked better than anybody else in a Pendleton shirt. After we'd been singing for a while, another classmate, Mike Dwyer, asked if he could play the bass for us. So John put away his gut bucket, 
and soon Dwyer was singing as well as playing. And for reasons I can't remember, maybe because of the name the Brothers Four was already taken, we decided to call ourselves The Morning Ride. That's morning, spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, and ride, spelled R-Y-D-E. I can't remember now how we came up with that name or that ingenious spelling. We'd serenade the sororities, and we even got an occasional paying job. We recorded every song we knew, all 16 of them, before the Christmas break in December of 1967. The next spring, a group of L.A. talent scouts began visiting campuses looking for college kids to be part of a syndicated TV show. They videotaped auditions in a hotel room. I can't remember how we found out about it. I tried out as a solo artist as well as part of the morning ride. Sometime in the spring of 1968, we got word that the group was chosen to compete. In retrospect, my feeling is that the creators of the show, during a time of incredible upheaval, wanted to portray a certain image of college kids. An image that didn't include protesting a war, growing long hair, or experimenting with drugs. And the morning ride, four guys wearing University of Washington blazers. Well, we looked and sounded the part. And while we actually sang pretty well, we fit an image that they were trying to project. They flew us from Seattle to L.A. on Friday, June 7th. We were staying a few blocks from the Ambassador Hotel. One of the first things we did was visit that hotel's kitchen pantry and saw how wooden panels had been removed as evidence and where Robert Kennedy lay dying three days earlier. Rehearsal was Saturday. Each show was half an hour in length and included four acts with a winner announced at the end of each show. They filmed two shows on the same day, so we were one of eight acts milling around that weekend. We flirted with the Kappa Pickers from Indiana University. We traveled by shuttle bus from the hotel to the studio. On Sunday, we laughed about the makeup we had to wear. The host was Dennis James, He'd been the announcer on Ted Mack's original Amateur Hour years earlier. Each show had three judges. One of our judges was Greg Morris, part of the Mission Impossible team, a popular TV show of the day. Our show was taped in front of an enthusiastic studio audience, warmed up and then prompted by an electric applause sign. It would light up and the audience would clap. The show began with four girls in cheerleading outfits introducing Dennis James, who then appeared from behind a curtain. I don't remember feeling nervous, or if we were part of the first or second taping that day. We did our song, Wasn't That a Time, using a Milt Oaken arrangement that we stole off of a Peter, Paul, and Mary record. And within half an hour, the judges voted, and our group was presented with an oversized trophy and a check for $1,000. And suddenly, though we might have told ourselves it didn't matter, it was pretty hard to remain nonchalant or to act as if we didn't care. 
a fraternity brother from Fullerton, California, bought tickets for us to see the Dodgers. So later that day, we saw Don Drysdale break the record for scoreless innings, and we were a natural part of the L.A. crowd, leaving shortly after the record was broken and long before the game was over. Flying back to Seattle on Monday morning, we felt like winners carrying our three-foot trophy onto the plane for all to see. Work all night on a drink of rum. We noticed that Harry Belafonte was sitting in the first-class cabin, and I decided we needed his autograph. And while he did sign his name on a scrap of paper I handed him, he, he wasn't too happy about it. And I must admit, after the look he gave me, I felt a little less like a winner returning to my seat in the coach section. The morning ride was scheduled to return to L.A. in a few weeks for the final rounds. In the meantime, I was off to New York to begin finding out what it meant to be a social worker for the summer on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. After just a few weeks there, I was, was part of a camp for city kids on a little island off Bermuda. The last thing they wanted to hear was kumbaya from some white guy. And still every night I sang, and every night they listened, each day a little more trust, each evening a little more understanding, realizing we were all on this island together, doing the best we could and trying to watch out for one another. which doesn't mean I wasn't delighted at the end of that week to fly from Hamilton, Bermuda, to L.A. for the weekend, reuniting with my three singing partners, greeting them with a soul shake when I met them on the shuttle bus at LAX. There were eight acts again this time, each of us winners of a previous show, a lot of talent, including the Dick Carpenter Trio from Cal State at Long Beach, with a young Karen Carpenter sitting behind her drum kit in her go-go boots, singing Dancing in the Street. We, the morning ride, were not one of the four finalists. John Wayne appeared for the final show, dropping from the sky in a helicopter, walking on stage just as he did in so many movies, this time presenting awards and checks to the winners. Second place, the Dick Carpenter Trio, the grand prize, Linda McClure, a singer and dancer extraordinaire from UCLA whose previous claim to fame was as the Bruin mascot. And at the cast party, after the taping, John Wayne came up to John Buller, put an arm around him, looked at him in, right in the eye, and both of them close to six and a half feet tall and said, you're one big so-and-so. And that night, the morning ride went to see Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons at the Coconut Grove. Traces of makeup still on our faces, dressed up in our matching blazers. We had no idea where we were going, but for the moment, we were sure we had arrived. All the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. I went for a
When I flew back to New York the next day, some kids I'd met on the island a few days earlier came up to me as if to assure themselves that they, that we, had truly been together on that now faraway island. A couple of weeks later on a small black and white TV set on top of a folding chair, on the sidewalk on East Broadway, I watched myself and three of my friends sing a song, get a check, and win a trophy, as those around me on that street corner laughed and pointed. When I returned to the University of Washington that fall, filled with the naive dreams and aspirations of a 21-year-old kid, I didn't know, before the year was out, I would audition for a spot in the Brothers Four and listen to recordings of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons waiting for the phone call that would tell me I had gotten the job. I then had to tell the other guys in the morning ride I, I wouldn't be doing the Saturday nights that winter at the ski resort where we'd gotten a job singing for ski tickets, dinner, and beer. McCoy says he might forgive me one of these days. A few months later, I would be back in New York, this time staying at the Hampshire House across from Central Park. As a member of the Brothers Four, there was a meeting at the Carnegie Deli with Milt Oaken, a name I'd read on the back of numerous folk albums. He, who'd been Harry Belafonte's musical director, he deranged songs and produced albums for many familiar and famous folk groups, including the Brothers Four. And at the time of our meeting, was about to enjoy his greatest success as John Denver's publisher and producer. And trying to explain why I might be a credible replacement for Mike Kirkland, I explained that I'd been part of a singing group in college and had recently been on TV. I saw you, he said. You weren't bad. And you know you did steal one of my arrangements. To this day, I don't know whether he was kidding or serious. What I do know is how glad I am for the memories. Hey, people now, smile on your brothers, let me see it together, try to love. Thanks for sharing one of those times in a life. Next week, all the stages of my life. Hope to see you then.